that focuses on all of us becoming exactly what God is calling us to be. Anybody want to become exactly what God wants you to be? That's me. You know, sometimes I find myself praying. So I, think, I think sometimes we're like, God, make me more. I want to be more for you. I want to do more for you, whatever. But, you know, I, I find myself praying lately, Lord, I want nothing more and nothing less than what you want for me. Because I think God looks at us and he says, here's my will for your life. And I just want to walk in his perfect will and not strive nothing more, nothing less. I just want to be exactly what he wants me to be. And uh, what are principles? How do we get there, though, if we say, I, th I, think, I think for the most part, if I said, who wants to be exactly what God wants him to be? I doubt anybody would not want that. I think we all want that. But how do we get there? And so what principles do we need to have in our lives to be a difference maker in our world? And so this series, Principles for Ministry Success, tonight we look at this new topic in week two. And this is going to be a four-week series. In week two, it's the dead end of self-discovery. The dead end of self-discovery. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for everybody that's here tonight, everybody watching online, or maybe even going to check this out later. God, I just pray that your powerful word would impact us in the way that exactly that how you want it to impact us. And Jesus, that you'd speak here and continue to speak, even the recorded version, Lord, that people would view and listen to later. That let our hearts and minds be open, we pray in your name. Amen. So I believe in self-discovery. I'll preface everything I say by that. I think it's important that we know ourselves. I think we have to be aware of our tendencies. Everybody, maybe at some point or another, you've taken a personality test. Sometimes it's like letters. Sometimes it's an animal like lion, bear. Sometimes it's choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, all that stuff. So we, we take these personality tests. And I think that there, when you take a personality test, there's not like, oh, that's a weak personality or that's a strong personality. Every personality type has strengths, and whether we want to admit it or not, every personality type has weaknesses. And it's weird because sometimes your strength can actually become a weakness if you only operate in that one area. It's very interesting. But I think that we have to acknowledge our weaknesses. I think that we have to aim to work in our strengths and practice good self-care. And so I would argue tonight that God discovery is much more important, though, than self-discovery. I know our world kind of pushes, like, you need to self-discovery, take time for self-discovery. Self-discovery is important. And to an extent, I agree, but self-discovery is worthless without God discovery. Now, I know you can disagree with that, but the term self-discovery refers to the act or process whereby a person achieves self-knowledge. This involves an understanding of one's abilities, one's character, one's feelings. The process is lacking, though, when it doesn't involve God. And so, finding oneself, I want to find myself. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a mission to find myself. You know, that can sound like a, an inherently self-centered goal, though that's not necessarily true, though. Uh, it all just depends on the process. Meaning, is this process centered on discovering God or is it void of God discovery? Contrary to what society would want us to believe, the most significant adventure in our lives is the discovery of God and his plan for our lives. 
The concept of self-discovery, you know, it's, it's existed for a long time. It's not like a new age thing. As a matter of fact, the concept of self-discovery starts way back in the book of Genesis. There was this couple that were told not to eat of a tree. But then they were like, well, yeah, but it's going to make me wise and make me like God. And I would like to find out the maximum potential that I have within me. You see, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. He said, hath God said, you're not supposed to eat of this. And the woman said, well, yeah, we're not supposed to eat and, uh, but the tree of the fruit of the, we can eat of all the trees, but that one we can't eat, we can't even touch it, which God didn't say that. But the serpent said, you're not going to die, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like gods. You're going to know good and evil. And when the woman saw this, and it was good to the eyes, and, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and gave it to her husband, and he ate too. Because you know what? I wonder what potential I actually have. Self-discovery. But there's a dead end to self-discovery sometimes. Eve desired personal growth. She sought, though, she sought to do so outside the parameters that God had set in place. You see, if we're not careful in our desire to reach our potential and in our journey of self-discovery, we sometimes, if we're not careful, we start to reach outside of the parameters of what God has for us too. We can do it in professional career. We can do it in relationships. And we can do it in, a ver in a various different ways. And if we're not careful, our body starts saying, yeah, but the potential, the what if, I wonder. And we start to reach outside the realm of what God, God has set for us. Eve's quest to obtain success was misguided. She, she didn't realize or she just disregarded that true and lasting success and self-discovery can only come from being in relationship with the Creator. Our quest to achieve ministry success has to start with the Creator. God must be the center of our pursuit. Because if anybody says, you know what? I just want to pastor, or I want to evangelize, or I want to be a missionary. I just want these things. Sometimes we go, oh, that's admirable. But if we want the thing before the God of the thing, it's misguided. Because then it's, I want this position, or this career, or this living. Or, and, and so you say, God, I just want to be a, a preacher. I just want to preach conferences. I just want to evangelize. I just want to do these things. Okay, and that, that might sound admirable, but if we want the things and not the God of the things, it's misguided. And so God has to be the center of our pursuit, that everything that we look to do, I want to be pleasing. I want to be acceptable. I want to mold me and shape me into what you want me to be. I would argue that this is even in a, in a career that's non-ministry related. If our goal is just, I want to be elevated, position, provision, at some point, if we're spirit-filled believers that are saying, God, make me like you, I'm Christ-like, I'm a Christian, I'm like Christ, I want to reflect your image to this world, then everything I do, it's not compartmentalized, like, oh, I want to be like God at church and in ministry, but over here I just want to make a name for myself, a living, climb the corporate ladder, whatever. No, everything we do, our, our whole being should point to Jesus Christ. 
And my goal is, okay, I want you to be the center of everything I do. And so God has a specific and intended purpose for his creation. Isaiah 45, it says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Even back then, people were arguing with the creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? The irony in Isaiah's wisdom, because we read this and we go, huh, interesting. But guess what? People, let's not say us because that hits too close to home. People will sometimes argue with God. What are you doing? And he's molding and he's shaping us and he's got us on the potter's wheel. And sometimes we are the ones that are going, God, you missed it. If you would, that, 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 that job that I just didn't get, that was the one you were supposed to give me. That relationship that we just broke up, that was the one I'm telling you. God, that was the one. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Yes. So Isaiah is not, he says, stop doing the wrong. He says, does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? No, we would never say that to God. Or would we? Or would we? Because we have distinct plans and timelines for God. We, 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 we have this, we say, look, here's what I want when I want it. God, if you'll just follow my plan, I have it figured out. I know me. And God says, I know you know you, and I know you too. And your thoughts aren't my thoughts. As a matter of fact, he told us that in Isaiah 55. And my ways aren't your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And so Isaiah says, how terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, why was I born? Or said to its mother, why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says. He says, the Holy One of Israel, your creator, do not question what I do for my children. Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? We try to. I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All stars are at my command. The pursuit of understanding self has to begin with the context of God. God, why am I here? What do you want from me? What do you want me to give? What's my purpose? What are you calling me to do and to be? Who are you calling me to reach? Really, every day of our lives should be centered around God, what is your plan for this day? But if we're honest, we usually wake up with our own plan for the day. And every once in a while, when we're really spiritual, we say, God, please bless these plans that I have for my day. I, and the day went wrong, and I, I even prayed about this day. <laughs> God bless the plans that I already made for the day. But if we're really spirit-led believers, don't we want to wake up every day going, God, what, what could you possibly accomplish with a willing vessel in the next 24 hours? Man. Job was the first to pose the question, what is man? Job 7, 17, he says, what is man that thou shouldest magnify him and thou, thou shouldest set thine heart upon him? 
Job was trying to wrap his mind around the tragedies that had just happened in his life. He had lost everything. Every time I think I have a bad day, just go back and read Job, and we'll put things in perspective because your worst day of your life still is not nearly as bad as Job's. He lost his possessions, his wealth, his health, and 10 children. Just like that. In the midst of his affliction, Job was on a journey of discovery. Then his friends started, like, questioning why God was punishing him. It's great when you have friends that just want to give you a word. He was trying to discover reasoning, and, and Job was on this journey of discovery. He was trying to discover purpose. He, was, he started with really tough questions. He asked God, what's the purpose of humanity? What is our calling? What is our mission? What is the reason for our existence? You see, it appeared that Job must have thought that there was some kind of purpose for humankind. You see, God must have a grand scheme or a divine goal. He's going through all this stuff. He was on a, on a high, and all of a sudden he's in a low. And sometimes when you're in low points, it causes you, causes you to just examine things. And so he's like, what is the purpose? What, why do I exist? He was moved to discover it. And King David asked the same type of question. Psalm 8, 3 and 4, he says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, he said, what is man? There it is again. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? David sought to understand the purpose of humanity. He said, I see the sun, and I see the moon, and the stars, but where do we fit in all of this? So really, this self-discovery... It's been around for thousands of years. People going, who am I? Where do I fit? What am I supposed to be doing? What is my value? What is my importance? What is my role? Difficulties often lead to introspection. introspection. And so difficulties can lead us to soul searching, to the engagement of self-discovery. This is why people will say things like, who am I? Where am I going in times of challenge or transition? How about graduation? Right? Y'all recently graduated a couple years ago. Not everybody who graduates has it all figured out. Some of them think they have it figured out. But the average student changes their major six times. That's statistics prove we don't have it figured out immediately. How about marriage? Is it, is it time to get married? Is he or she the right one? I need to get married. Am I doing it right? Wait, uh, who am I? What are we going to be now? And now, before I was just worried about me. Now I'm worried about us. How about having kids? I've had people say to me, I don't know, how do you know you're ready to have kids? You are never ready to have kids. It's just a journey that starts, and God gives you this beautiful thing called grace. How about when those little beauties leave home? I'm not there yet, but I've talked to enough people that when the children leave home, I know there's parents that are like, <laughs> and others are like, are you sure you wanted to? I got this stuffed animal for you. Mom, I don't need the stuffed animal anymore. <laughs> you know? Parents are helping their kids move into dorms, and they're like, all right, Mom, Dad, you can go now. Why? I want to stay a while. Now it's time to leave now. You know, like, 
It's that challenge, like, who am I? Where do I fit? Loss of a spouse. Some of you have lost your spouse. You've been living with somebody for a long time, loving them, sharing life, doing life, and all of a sudden they're gone. And yes, there's eternity, and it's beautiful. You're going to see them in heaven and great things, and they've served God and all this, but you're still going, yeah, but my life was so wrapped up in this person. And then you have your first Christmas without them, the first birthday without them, the first holiday, the first Fourth of July, the and you're going, ah, who am I now, and where do I fit? God's calling of Moses is a great example of the launching of a quest for self-discovery. The assignment to go back to Egypt and be a part of freeing his people must have been a, a, just a bit overwhelming for him. After all, he was for the last 40 years of his life, he had been a shepherd, just trying to find new pastures for his flocks and, and just, you know, living the low-key life. Went and found his wife in the wilderness. They're married. They're running around, catching, chasing sheep. And God's like, hey, bush is burning. And he, that's just amazing in itself. And God calls him and Exodus 3 records this. He says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. See, it's always good when a good young man helps his father-in-law out. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush wasn't consumed. So this gets his attention. Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight. Why is this bush not burnt? And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him. That'll preach right there, too. God didn't start speaking until humankind was willing to stop. We want God to speak to us. But sometimes we won't stop to hear. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. When the Lord saw, I have your attention. You've stopped. You're looking at me. Now I'm going to speak to you. God said to him out of the midst of the bush, he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. He says, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people in, which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them Who's the deliverer? We usually say Moses, right? But he said, I, I am come down to deliver them. Sometimes we get in spiritual battles and we forget the battles. Actually, not our battle. We're just participators. He says, I've come down to deliver them. And to bring them up out of the, that land unto a good land and large and, 
unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou, thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Well, just stop right there. Go back to verse 10. Or yeah, you're already on verse 10. Good job. So, uh, he says, yeah, got your attention. Thanks for stopping. Now I'm going to speak to you. This is awesome. You're getting to see this cool stuff. I got a plan. I'm going to do this. At this point, Moses is like, what? And he says, now you're going to be the one that goes. I think Moses was cool with everything up until that point. Because now Moses jumps in. And does anybody know what the very first thing Moses says out of his mouth right after this? Anybody remember? Very first thing is in verse 11. Moses said to God, Who am I? See, you flunked the Bible trivia tonight, but you'll be ready for next time. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Boy, oh boy, isn't that interesting that humanity never ceases to really change. We go to the New Testament, and he's like, hey, we got to feed these people. They're on the side of the mountain. He's like, well, what do you got? Five loaves. Well, all we got is five loaves and two. We can't do anything with that. So we tend to do that in humanity. When we get into situations with God, the first thing we do is look at what we have in our hand. All I got is five loaves and two fish. This is not going to work. Who am I? And God is the type that goes, hey, if you'll just do me a favor and bring me over what you got. Just sit tight for a second. Who am I? <laughs> that I should do this. That notice what he said. Who am I that, that I should bring forth? But don't you remember that the first words out of God's mouth are, I am come down. Too often when God calls us into ministry, we start saying what I'm capable of doing. How am I going to do this? And I don't know how I'm going to preach. And I don't know how I'm going to teach these kids and teach that Bible study and sing that song. And I don't know if I'm equipped. And I'm nervous because I've never done this. And how am I going to? But God says, I'm planning to do this. I'm calling you into ministry, but that never meant you're doing it. I'm calling you, but I'm still the one doing it. So God, guess what God responds to Moses when he, who am I? He starts saying, well, you're this, and you were trained here, and you're this incredible, incredible guy, and I have you handpicked, Moses. You're special, and and." God doesn't even touch it. God does not give a direct answer to Moses. He simply says in verse 12, certainly, I will be with thee. 
Here's what I'm going to do. No, who am I? Certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token of thee that I've sent thee. When thou brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So when we start saying, me and I and my abilities and talents and my calling, God simply says, Moses, here's my response. I will be with you. Moses now changes the question. In verse 13, Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they're going to say, What is his name? Now what shall I say to them? So Moses' question transitions. It goes from, Who am I? To who are you? And walking with God in powerful ministry starts with the right first question. And the question is not, who are you? The question is, who is your God? You see, when Moses asked, who am I? God says, I'm going to be with you. God was immediately trying to teach Moses, you better get a lesson very early, Moses. This is not about you. Regardless of what God has called us to do and be, we must never, ever forget that. It's really never about us. We looked more at that in lesson than in the fourth lesson of this series. It's never about us. It's always about him. And that's crucial if we can remember that in ministry because when God starts, God, God wants to do powerful things in your life, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. God wants to use you to reach many people. God wants to do great things. But when the great things start happening, sometimes we get caught up thinking, we're great. And it's key in ministry to remember if I'm, I'm, of course, I'm going to do my best to be a better teacher, better speaker, to educate myself, study the word. Absolutely. There, that's scriptural too. We should prepare. Study the word. Show ourselves approved. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if I pray for 11 people up here and 11 people don't get the Holy Ghost, I don't give the Holy Ghost. So I don't have to leave going, I'm a failure. I'm not any good at this. I quit. But now if the next week I pray and 11 people get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to put that on Facebook. I'm not going to put on Facebook. I prayed with 11 people. Not one person got the Holy Ghost. But if I pray with 11 people, bless God. Like, oh, God was moving today, and I'm going to make it look like I'm really excited about God. But really, I'm kind of proud of myself. Even though I am not the one who didn't give it or did give it, it's God. So I'm the willing vessel that says, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. And so on this journey of self-discovery, if it's not centered on God, it's a dead end. It's a dead end. This is always about him.
It's never been about us. It isn't our strength, our ability, our talent. It's his power, his promise, and his anointing. And that's why it's just little tiny pet peeves. It's not like a scriptural sin going to put you in hell or anything. But that's why you do not hear me preach about my ministry. In my ministry, you know, we've done this. And I know I came here and I started my ministry. And I, my ministry started, I preached when I was 17. And my ministry, no. It's never been my ministry. It's always been about him. And I got serious about him and I started trying to get things straight when I was 17 years old. And thank God that he's been using a, a willing vessel ever since I got serious about him. But he's the one ministering. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the conduit, if you understand electricity. I'm not the source of power. I'm the one that the source of power flows through. That's it. You see, therefore, self-discovery is useless and meaningless outside of God discovery. God is not looking for your strength or your ability. God is looking for your willingness. God is looking for the vessel that is willing to stop and turn aside and look at the bush and say, you got my attention. But I don't want my first question to be, who am I? No, my question is, who are you? Because if we're willing to do that, he will always equip us for the miraculous. As I close tonight, let me show you one last example of someone who, whose God discovery impacted self-discovery. And it's found in the book of Matthew 16, pretty, pretty famous conversation. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, you know, they, some, some are saying John the Baptist, and some are saying Elijah. You know, sometimes people ask you, like, what do you think about this in society? And you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, we give general answers because we don't really want to, like, give the answer and be wrong. And so it's kind of like, oh, you know, some people are saying this, and Jeremiah the prophet, Elijah, John the Baptist. And Jesus sensed, he just stopped him and said, okay, who do you, who do you say that? I just imagine this moment, people kind of looking at the ground and, you know, kind of like if I asked a Bible trivia question, I said, so who wants to answer this? Some of you would start looking at the ceiling and the floor and like, <laughs> but the one bold kind of big mouth guy jumps in, that's Simon Peter. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed. Simon, son of John or Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer. it. Not only did the apostle Peter receive revelation concerning Jesus, but he also received revelation concerning himself. You see, he would no longer be called Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah, which means the, the listener. He would now be known as Peter or Cephas, meaning rock. 
Peter's revelation of who Jesus was was now directly resulted in a revelation of who he was. And this is a key to self-discovery. When we can get to the place when we truly understand who Jesus is, not who other people say he is, but you know for your own experience, your own revelation, your own relationship, I know who you are. I'm not going to talk about everybody else. I can't talk for all those people, but for me, this is who you are. You are the son of God. You are the creator of the universe. You are the God. You are the mighty God. And when we can truly have an understanding of who he is for ourselves, then God, that, that God discovery will lead to self-discovery. And I invite you to stand tonight because I don't want to be on a dead end to self-discovery. But if we have a group of people here that are like, no, I'm not just interested in who I'm going to be and my ministry and my calling and my job and my career and my retirement and my... And not just, not, nothing I just said right now is simple. Sometimes we even celebrate the ministry part. But let's not get so focused on my and who I am. But in my self-discovery to say, God, without God discovery, I'm nothing. It's a dead end street. But Lord, if I can truly understand who you are problems arise, I'm not afraid of the problems. I serve the God who controls it all. The sickness arises, I'm not afraid of the sickness. I know the healer. The battle arises, I know the one who's the banner of victory. The issues arise, I can, I can just stop and say, okay, yeah, I know, it's going to be tough at times. But I know the God that I serve. And, and when I do that, it impacts, it changes the way I walk this journey. But I can't really find the self-discovery and walk this journey the way God's calling me to walk it until I first know who He is. And so right now, there's an interesting, you know, it can go deeper and deeper and deeper. There's a reason why there was a flame in that burning bush. And I guess what? You go to the New Testament, cloven tongues like as fire sat upon each of them. God's spirit was speaking to him out of that burning bush. God wants to put his spirit inside of you in the New Testament. And God wants to lead you, okay? But even being spirit-led, until we can stop and turn aside from the, all the concerns of the day, God's not going to speak to you, and, and he's not going to. So there's times God wants to speak to you, but he's just going to wait and see. Will you turn toward me? Will you turn aside? Will you stop what you're doing? Will you look at me? If you will, I'm ready to speak. But our schedules are packed tight. But you've got to make time. i got to make time to turn aside and to be in the presence of God so that he can make me what he wants me to be, so he can clarify his calling. Because at the end of the day, tomorrow, I just want to be what he wants me to be. I just want to be everything he wants me to be. That's, that's all I want. If I can say, I today was the man that God wanted me to be, that, that's
that's it. But what did you accomplish? But who did you do? But what, 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 what type of successes? Do, how, what can you measure? Listen, I was, the, I was the man God called me to be today. That's all I want. So in your journey of self-discovery, don't leave God out. He's got to be the center of everything you pursue. Would you find a place and pray about this tonight? It's a challenge for all of us. God, help us to slow down. Help us, Lord, to turn toward the burning bush. It's not about us. It's about you. And God, until we have a revelation of who you are, we won't have a revelation of who we are. God, but with you, it's just the potential is limitless. What we can do and be for you if we understand who you are. Help us tonight. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply Just to 